Blog Talk Radio. Pugilistic linguistics, check out the 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 one, two, what's happening, y'all? Welcome to the pugilistic linguistics show. I am your host, Foster, the voice of reason in the unreasonable world. And coming to you in my regular Wednesday show. I'm still dancing around times right now. I try at 8 o'clock, 8.30. I'm trying to do a little early. I'm trying to see what works best. Um, keep you all best. I like Wednesdays, but I work every time. So, before we start, say all the time. Go out to iTunes for your listening pleasure. Download them, share them, tell your folk, friends, Romans, your countrymen. Uh, trying to get the word out this thing, y'all. I'll use the word interesting, not the word I really want to use, because there's a lot of tragedy I want to talk about. It leads me into today's topic. First of all, my prayers go out to the residents of southeastern Texas, Houston, Galveston, that area. If you got people down there, I'm sure you have already, but if you have people down there, check on them. Uh, I wish that I could do more for them. Again, tragedy on an unprecedented scale. This week's Tom Watch kind of ties into that. The whole show ties into it, actually, but the Tom Watch tied into it. Your president decided to take a trip to Corpus Christi on yesterday. And I'm not even going to deal with the cursory parts of it, you know, the outfits and wardrobe, what they wore. That's not even truly important, even though it's character revealing how they decided to go up looking like Brumway model and Indiana Jones, but the sheer narcissism of your president to celebrate the quote-unquote crowd size when delivering a presidential address after a disaster. You know, the customary address. You, you, you got a president who speaks on it. Uh, you know, Bush did it after Katrina and Obama did it after various shootings. Uh, you, you know, presidents do that type of thing. Projecting, you know, we're going to be okay, along with pledging and, you know, celebrating the American spirit. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tap dance. This president has shown no ability for empathy. He speaks to the grandiose, uh, better yet, not grandiose, it's not a word, the grandiosity, that's the word, of, you know, what he's going to do and what America's going to do. But not once has he exhibited a true empathy for the undoubted 
hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives lost when these flood waters recede. It's all about him. He has a narcissism that borders on mental illness. But the kicker about all that is the fact that this isn't new. Ask any New York local person about this dude when he wasn't a national figure. This ain't nothing new for him. This is how he's always conducted business. It's just important now because he represents America. He doesn't just represent Trump and the Trump organization and whatever else comes up. He's now representing America, but every time he opens his mouth, as frightening as frightening a prospect as that is. So he goes to Corpus Christi and, and celebrates the crowds as if they came for him. Funny thing is, though, there was like a, a, a campaign rally feel to it. So in all fairness, and I'm not really interested in being fair to this dude, but in all fairness, it shaped up like a rally because the people that showed up kind of expected a rally. Now, whether or not he, he should have bought into it is beside the point. The point is, this is his first test of his presidency, the way Bush had... 9-11, the way Clinton had the USS Cole, you know, the way Reagan had Iran, had Iran-Contra, whatever. This is his first test. I have a feeling I know how he's going to perform, but let's see. This dude needs to be impeached. And removed. Remember, it's impeach and remove, not just impeach. And the killing part about it is silent on that front. It leads me to believe there's some serious things going on in the background. There's too much silence going on. And in D.C., I've learned silence does not mean nothing's happening. Probably on the contrary, silence means something big is on its way. So we'll see. On to the topic of conversation. Shepherding the flock. So Hurricane Harvey makes landfall. Corpus Christi, Galveston area heads north towards Houston a relative coastal city. And they're getting rain in biblical proportions. And there's no way there's no other way to say that. It is borderline biblical. Uh I think at last count they're in the forties as far as inches of rain since Friday, which is almost like a year's worth of rain squeezed into four or five days. Just straight insanity, what's going on down there. I read a story today, an article today, 
the topography of Houston lends itself to 10 and 100 year floods every few years. So it's like Houston, in the world of global warming, warmer air uh, uh, holds more moisture, which means it drops more rain. And Houston being the way it is, uh, they basically call it a tabletop flat. Not much in the way of elevation to run off and full of concrete. I've never been to Houston. I'm going off of like what the 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 Noah folk and the you know Army Corps of Engineers are saying. Uh tabletop flat with a ton of concrete, not much runoff, not much absorption in the in the grass and the green space, because there isn't much green space there. So a, a storm like Harvey is is pardon the pun, the perfect storm for a 500-year flood or a 1,000-year flood. From what I gather, though, from what I finished reading that article, they're talking about they, this is like the third major flood they've had in three years. Just because the levee system is old, the, the drainage system is old, it's just inadequate for 2017. Now, I'm not going to get into why it is the way it is and why don't they have green space. That's not what this is about. But bottom line, Houston is in the throes of one of the worst floods in American history, maybe even rivaling like the, the Yangtze flood in China back in the you know in medieval days and that kind of thing. It just the death toll won't be as great, but the economic impact, the impact will probably be the same. One of the worst floods ever. Through the midst of that. There is a mega church and the preacher at mega church who's gone national, Joel Osteen, who has come under fire for their action or inaction in the face of this disaster. As Americans typically do, in the face of disaster, they band together. They stop fighting each other long enough to band together to help. It's like when you have a little sister or something, and you fight and you war with each other all day long at home. As soon as somebody else jumps on her, you all band together to fight him. Then when y'all done with him, y'all go back to fighting each other. That's what Americans do. So right now we're in this ultra cooperative spirit, the same way we were in Katrina, the same way we were after 9-11. You know, the American spirit trumps our petty differences that we're going to go back to when we're done. So to that end, you know, Red Cross is chipping in. Uh, uh, I read a story about these guys. They call themselves the Cajun Navy, I believe. They came up from Louisiana uh, with their boat. Because you travel through Houston today via boat. I saw a picture of Interstate 10. It's, it's an actual ocean. It's insane. But people are chipping in. You know, uh, Fairway uh, grocery stores up here in Iowa, they sent two truckloads of supplies down to Houston. So we're chipping in. Americans are doing what America's, Americans do. But through the midst of all this, 
Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen, I want to make sure I say his name right because I'm going to call him Osteen for the longest. Joel Osteen, pastor of Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, one of the largest churches in America. During this, when shelter is gravely needed, the doors of his church were not open. Now, I'm going to get into that in a moment, specifically, but I'm going to park you with this question before I go there. If the church cannot be the literal refuge from the storm, what is their purpose? If the church can't be the refuge from the storm, what is their purpose? Because they preach, and again, I'm not in every church every Sunday, but they preach being a refuge. They preach humanity. They preach being a brother, being a the helper, am I my brother's keeper? They preach that. Yet in a time of storm, the church wasn't there for the people. Now I'm not speaking of every church. I'm not speaking of, I'm not speaking in broad brush strokes here. I'm speaking about the most visible edifice in Houston not being accessible to the people in a time of storm. Why is that important? It's important because that church accepts money from the people, but yet are not there for them when they need them. If the church cannot be the refuge during the storm, what is their purpose? Joel Osteen and his Lakewood Church, they actually bought the Compact Center, which is the arena where the Houston Rockets used to play. So it has a capacity of about 17,000 people, okay, 17,000, from what I gather, again, I'm not in Houston, I've read uh, numerous articles about it, but for what I gather, they either have very minimal flooding or none at all in the building. People who are talking about what they can't get there, look, people are getting anywhere they need to be. It may be slow, it may be boats, it may be whatever, it may be feet, they they are getting to places. So I guess the question becomes, beyond the the church can't be the literal uh, refuge in the storm, what's their purpose? That's one question. But the second question is, does Osteen and Lakewood Church have an obligation to be there for the city's citizens in times of need? Or, or, Or to extrapolate that on a greater macro level, does the church have an obligation to be the refuge 
in the storm. And this isn't just a literal storm. This is a figurative storm, too. It's the church's obligation to be the refuge. What does the church do on the other six days of the week? Now, I know where I was raised. New Faith Baptist Church, Madison, Illinois. Frank Anthony Thomas was my pastor. And I know what his response would have been. Drop everything, let's make it happen. We need to help our community. And to that credit, the current leadership at New Faith in Madison has sent supplies and sending people south, so kudos to them. But I know what Frank Thomas's response would have been. Drop everything, we're going to help. The problem is with Osteen, his obligation to the community seems to be lacking. I don't know what that man's done. I don't know what he does. But let me speak to you about this logically. Because I got into an argument this one chick about this on somebody else's page yesterday and it was epic it it went off the rails doesn't even begin to describe what happened but I had an argument with this this lady and a few of us did actually no we don't know what he's doing but when you're under fire your reaction and your responses in response to that fire tells us everything about your thought process. For example, I get it. They have, they have employees who have families in Houston too. But if your intention is to open your doors and be a refuge in the literal storm, you wouldn't just tweet our thoughts and prayers with the, the residents of Houston and this, that, and the third. Your tweets would also be, and to become a service to the community, Lakewood Church will be opening its doors on such and such time after we, or after our, 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 uh, our workers and employees check on their families, we will be open to serve the community whether it's refuge, whether it's physical uh, a roof over people's heads, whether it's a distribution center to make sure things get to where it needs. Somehow, that church needs to become service. Why? Because they preach that in the word that's supposedly opened in that book, in that in that uh, uh, building on Sundays. That sermon that you preach out of that Bible says you are supposed to be a steward. You're supposed to be a steward. You're supposed to help your community. And I'm not even going. Let's forget about the biblical side of it. You take 
in millions of dollars per year from the residents of Houston, Texas, and its surrounding areas. Tax-free, mind you. The least you can do is be a shepherd to those people. The least you can do The logistics, the logistics of it notwithstanding, like I said in the post in this argument yesterday, if you want to do it, you'll find a way. If you don't want to do it, you'll find an excuse. So now, uh, after the backlash was so great, he's now opening the doors of a church and it's becoming a distribution center and all that. And, and bully for them. Cool, it needs to be done. And for that reason, I can stop riding him for that. But that leads to the question. That removes that specific example, but it leaves the central question. What do you do on the other six days of the week? What do you do for your community? What service do you do? Church ain't just open your doors on Sunday, give me your money, I'm going to holler at you. See you next week. That ain't church. That ain't what the church is supposed to be. And I'm no biblical scholar anymore. I, I can quote a few verses and things that I've used over the years to prove my – I can do that. I'm no biblical scholar anymore. But I do know the purpose of the building. I do know the purpose of the people within that building. It is stewardship. New Faith Baptist Church, Baton, Illinois, when I was growing up, there wouldn't have been a question. Tornado. Let's 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 do a drive. Let's 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 do some uh let's raise some funds. Let's give, give me some cans. Let's do something. Blizzards. Let's let's collect some coats. Let's you know, let's go to the schools. Let's do whatever. We were stewards in our community. They taught that to us as youth. It wouldn't have been a question. It wouldn't have been four days later that we would have had to tweet, tweet that man to shame to get him to do what he supposedly is called by God to do. And that leads me down another rabbit hole, the prosperity preacher. But I ain't going there right now. I'm trying to stay on focus. You are supposedly a man of God who is called to be the shepherd of men, yet in the time of the literal storm, you provide no refuge. Does that throw everything you do into question? What is your purpose? Is it to collect checks? Is it to buy jets? I got a serious issue with these mega church preachers, as you can tell. What's your purpose? What has God called you to do? Because guess what? 
I was raised in a church by a man who has spoiled me towards every other shade tree preacher out there. And by his stripes, I know what stewardship means. I know what helping your fellow man means. I know what being a shepherd of men means. I don't always walk the walk. I ain't perfect. I'm not angelic. Some days I fall short, as we all do. But more often than not, more often than not. So what am I saying through all this? That's a good question. Be careful who you align yourself with. Be careful with who you trust your spiritual vessel with. I swear to you this wasn't where I was going with it, but this is how I'm being led. Be careful with who you trust. Entry to. I don't know Joel Osteen. I've been watching any of his programs. I've never watched any of his shows. Well, I watched a couple of them, not entirely, but like 10 minutes here, five minutes there. But be careful. Because beyond what you do on Sunday mornings, the real test of your shepherdship happens on Tuesdays, it happens on Wednesdays. It happens when it's 48 inches of rain on the ground. It happens when Interstate 10 is an ocean. It happens when uh, downtown is a literal lake. That's when your shepherdship shows. That's when that God-like quality in you is revealed. That's good. But it took him to Tuesday to do it. And again, I get it. You know, you got to make sure everybody's in your media circle is good. But a tweet saying, hey, hearts go out. Uh, we're going to be open for uh, refuge. We're going to be open for distribution. We need to make sure we can get there first. Well, however you shake that out, but let the people know that we're here to serve. Stewardship. So be careful with who you trust your pearls to. Be careful with who you trust to give that word of God from. I got good game, the guy from Frank Anthony Thomas. Can't nobody just walk up to me and say, God told me to tell you something. Because I know how to ask some questions, okay, to make sure this really is God talking through you. Good game recognize all game. Be careful with who you trust because stewardship is not just on Sundays. Shepherding is just not on Sundays. 3.30 in the morning. What does that man do on Wednesdays at 2.45 over a ham sandwich? That's where stewardship is. Who is he leading that way? That's the question. 
exhale. To, to that end, again, like I started, I'm going to say my heart, my prayers go out to the people of Houston and the surrounding areas. This is going to be a long, long haul. Long haul. This is not going to end fast. Anything that you can possibly do, please pitch in $10, $5, whatever. In close, I'm going to say, like I always do, take care of you because you all you got. Peace. Check out the music.